there, my name is Natalie Nation and you're listening to Feed That Nation. Welcome to the nation, everybody. I'm a graduate student. I'm a future registered dietitian. I'm a health educator, a content creator, and a self-proclaimed mac and cheese expert. My goal here on Feed That Nation is to create content all about college life, college health, and college wellness with the goal of helping you, my fellow college students, to be more happy, healthy, successful, confident in your student experience. I upload podcasts right here to YouTube and to your favorite podcast listening platforms every Wednesday. And I upload vlogs all about college life, my life, food, cooking, nutrition, pretty much whatever the heck else I can get up to every Saturday. Don't forget to go follow me on Instagram. I am at FeedThatNation. Before we get into the topic of today's episode where I'm going to be discussing a lot of the different intersections of college and higher ed, academia, and poverty, Super excited to dive into this one. I am so passionate about this. I wanted to, as per usual, give you my food, my follow, and my fun for the week. My food this week is something that I actually just snacked on before I hopped into my podcasting closet, and that is, <laughs> I had some dark chocolate hazelnut chocolate, like Ghirardelli squares, and they were so good. It felt so luxurious just to be biting into it, letting it melt, oh my gosh. If you're a chocolate eating person, definitely would recommend treating yourself this week if you can. Doesn't have to be fancy, could be a Hershey's Kiss, could be an M&M, as long as it's not a Tootsie Roll. Anything counts. Get yourself some chocolate or something sweet and just enjoy it. My follow this week is a fellow Minnesota content creator. Her name is Taylor and she is at a styled sage and she talks little bit of fashion, a little bit of lifestyle, a little bit of DIY. Her photos are fabulous. I love her aesthetic and I used to go to school with her. We had a couple of classes together in undergrad. She's super fun. She's super great. She has beautiful hair. Go check out Taylor at A Styled Sage. My fun this week is to change up your routine. I know in past podcast episodes I've talked about how important it is to have a routine, but honestly sometimes it's important to change that up. And for me, what that has looked like has been a lot of just doing things differently, doing things in a different order, doing things out of order. My husband and I are still working on getting all of the wallpaper <laughs> off of the walls of our house. So instead of watching an episode of a Netflix show together, we might put the episode on and do wallpaper at the same time. Or I've been making an extra special effort to do something fun for breakfast. This morning, I got up at 4.45 in the morning. I've actually worked a full eight and a half hour day today. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I made myself a yogurt parfait with strawberries and granola in a mason jar and brought that to work for breakfast. And it was just so goofy and fun to be making a yogurt parfait for myself at five in the morning. So switch up your routine a little bit. I promise it's definitely worth it. Ooh, okay, so when we're talking about college and higher ed and the student experience and all of these different intersections with poverty and discrimination and financial inequities and financial insecurity, I feel like I can't really dive into this topic without first addressing the fact that I am a relatively privileged person. 
I'm a woman, I'm mostly straight, I'm cisgender, I was raised in a really comfortable household, I was never in poverty, we never feared not having enough to eat, we had enough for everything we needed and a lot of what we wanted and I would never want to present myself in a way that implies that I understand firsthand the experiences that students living in poverty or struggling financially do. That is something that I don't know firsthand and it's something that I would never want to speak on. But I think something that I've realized is that if I don't bring up the topic, it might not ever get brought up and that's why I want to talk about it. That's why I want this to be something that we as college students are very open about. This is something that it's going to take a lot of us to make any kind of change and it's going to take a long time but it starts here and it starts now. Something that really pisses me off is the stupid stereotype of a college student who eats nothing but ramen or who eats nothing but breakfast cereal because they can't afford groceries or they're sneaking food out of the dining hall because they can't afford to buy food. And, you know, living on, you know, microwave frozen meals for weeks on end because that's all that you can afford. And the joke of it is something I feel like shouldn't be joked about because the reality is there are a lot of college students who are struggling financially to this end and it's not funny. This is drawing on a lot of the experience I gained in the work I did in food insecurity at my alma mater for undergrad, St. Kate's, and we talked a lot about how food insecurity is really just a symptom of greater financial insecurity. If you're struggling to afford food, you're probably struggling to afford other things. Textbooks, clothing, transportation, debt payments, rent, and all of that is just sort of a part of what the experience can be for people who don't make enough money to live a decent standard of living through no fault of their own. And I guess I'll pause again here and say that students who are living and struggling with financial insecurity, it is absolutely not your fault. And if I ever say anything that implies that, I hope that you all call me out and hold me accountable because it is not your fault. It is not your fault. When thinking about financial insecurity, something that I try to draw people's attention to, especially when I used to speak to students about food insecurity and talk about how widespread the issue really is, is thinking about the fact that college costs thousands of dollars. I think something that our generation feels very closely as a whole and something that older generations do not is that it is a terrifying aspect of college to take on what could potentially be hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt as an 18 year old. At this current point in time, if you want to go to college, it doesn't feel like there's another way around it. Yes, there are scholarships. Yes, there are financial aid in ways that don't require hundreds of thousands of dollars of loans. Like, yes, there are cheaper ways to go to college, but I feel like when I see people pointing these out, like, hey, I graduated with college with no debt, here's how I did it. A lot of those people are coming from very privileged places, and that's really not the case for most college students who are dealing with debt. 
the reason this is so important is because college students who graduate and become professionals in the real world are still drowning in that debt to the point where people are putting off having kids, they're putting off buying houses, they're putting off making major life decisions and investing their own money back into the economy because they're stuck in this debt. And what I think the old white dudes of the government or whatever haven't realized yet is this is a bad thing for the economy, that there is an entire generation, millions of people, who are not able to put that money back into the economy to reinvest in their lives, to put money into retirement, to save for their kids' college, to, heck, buy a boat, buy a house, do all of those things, because student debt is a thing. <laughs> the fact that college is so exorbitantly expensive that we sign up millions of 18 year olds every year to go into what could be a hundred thousand dollars worth of debt to maybe graduate on time and maybe be able to find a job that they like that's within the career path that they've prepared for that pays well and has benefits the chances of all of those things coming together aren't great and the chances of those things coming together once you add in being female or being somebody who does not identify with the gender binary, being somebody who does not identify as straight, being someone who holds disability as one of their identities, or who holds being black or being a person of color as one of their identities or being indigenous, the chances of all of that going down successfully and ending up in a stable job with benefits and comfortably able to pay off student loans quickly and working a job that they enjoy, the combination of all of those things coming together is so minuscule. And that sucks too. That really, really sucks. But that topic, which I am happy to expound upon, I'm happy to be on the soapbox as much as possible for that topic because I think it is absolutely outrageous. That's not quite the college poverty that I wanna talk about in this particular podcast episode. So we're going to table that and you guys can let me know what you think about it. And maybe if you think there's a guest I should interview, someone I should bring on to talk about, you know, student debt post-graduation, I would love to talk about that. In the meantime, let's talk about the truth behind the struggling, starving college student, because there is truth. And the reality is that College is f***ing expensive, even when you're in the middle of it, because you have to live. School doesn't happen in a vacuum. You know, school happens, and life happens, and work happens, and family happens, and eating happens, and illness happens, and all of that costs money. The stupid thing is, is that college students, we as college students are going to college so that we can make a job that pays us what we hope will be a decent amount of money, enough to be able to afford a quality standard of living. But to get there, really the only jobs open to us as college students are minimum wage jobs. They're not well-paying jobs. They are pretty sh I'm gonna swear a lot in this episode, I'm so sorry. I'll bleep out anything worse than damn, I promise. Where was I? Oh gosh. 
I love seeing the diagrams of how much college costed in 1970 and how much minimum wage was in 1970 and just seeing how many hours the average person would have to work per week to be able to afford tuition and then comparing that to recent costs. But I always sort of wonder who those diagrams are for because we students, we live that, the royal we. Again, I won't pretend that I personally have struggled with financial insecurity, but the royal we, the college student experience for the vast majority of people is not an overly financially abundant one. The jobs available to college students, aka people who generally do not already have a college degree, don't pay well. They are minimum wage jobs. They are largely retail and customer service jobs. Another confounding factor with college and financial insecurity is that as a student, you are limited by what you can actually do in whatever job you find because being a student takes a lot of time and every person is different in that aspect and not everyone's time is the same because having 24 hours in a day is something that we all as college students have in common, but students with cars have a different 24 hours than students who have to walk or take the bus. Students who have dependents or children or people that they need to care for have a different 24 hours than students who don't have that kind of responsibility. You know, students with disability or learning disability or chronic illness, they have a different 24 hours than students who don't. And no matter what, there are all kinds of honestly kind of ridiculous restrictions around college students being able to work in on-campus jobs and realistic common sense restrictions like it's not practical for a full-time college student to also be a full-time employee of another institution. But then we get another confounding factor of without a full-time job with benefits, a lot of college students don't have health care. They don't have health insurance if they're not able to stay on their family's insurance or if their family didn't even have insurance to begin with. And colleges require students to have health insurance and so they have a plan for students to pay for which is kind of an issue if you can't afford to pay for it. And so, <laughs> and talking about health insurance opens up a whole other can of worms. This whole podcast is just going to be me ranting and side tangents but it's fine. And we have to remember here, we're asking 18-year-olds to sometimes move away from home, move far away to a place they've never been, put themselves into hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt with an uncertain future about the ability to actually be able to pay it back. We're asking students to work jobs or expecting students to work jobs and students are expecting themselves to work jobs to afford this exorbitantly expensive education. And the only jobs available to students are usually part-time with pretty terrible hours, they do not pay well, they do not have benefits, and then we're asking students to transport themselves to school and to that job, which sometimes requires a car, which is another expense, and car insurance and gas, and then if they don't have a car, then it's a bus, and a bus pass, which is expensive, or it's Ubers, which are very expensive, or it's walking, which granted isn't expensive, but can be unsafe, depending on where you live and who you are and what you look like which is really unfortunate. And then there's the health insurance aspect, and then there's the questionable ability to be able to find and afford, and this is where we get into food insecurity, my favorite topic, find and afford food, adequate amounts of food, 
that is nutritious and culturally relevant, and then to have consistent access to that nutritious, culturally relevant, adequate amounts of food. Which is really difficult because there are a ridiculous amount of colleges, even here in the Twin Cities, that are kind of food deserts. Like, yeah, there's a bunch of restaurants, but like, not a whole lot of grocery stores and not a whole lot of affordable grocery stores like Aldi or Walmart. And if you're interested in affordable grocery stores, go check out, I've done several podcast episodes and YouTube videos about the affordability of grocery stores. I will link those below. That's a thing too. And it again becomes even more complicated when I bring in disability or food allergies or restrictions for ethical or religious regions or talking about international students who are unfamiliar with the foods available to them in America and all of that can contribute to food insecurity on top of the stupid social pressures of the freshman 15 and the ridiculous amount of snacks that are just available everywhere on college campuses. <laughs> I feel like the moral of this episode is just going to be that being a college student is really hard sometimes. But I'm not even done yet because another really huge part of college life and financial insecurity is housing insecurity. And this is the one, I know food insecurity doesn't get talked about a lot, but housing insecurity is the one that I feel like really gets missed because I've heard the statistics somewhere that like eight or 9% of college students across the country are homeless. And if that statistic isn't correct, I will pop it on the screen below and pop it into the show, the show notes. But the stigmas, like the word poverty, the stigmas around the word homeless can prevent people from realizing that they are struggling with housing insecurity because couch hopping because you don't have a place to stay, that's homelessness. And housing insecurity kind of falls on a spectrum of being homeless, you know, living in your car, living in a shelter, living on the street, which there are college students who do live those lives. And I'm so sorry that that is the life that they have to live. And I don't know what I as an individual can do to fix that system, but God damn it, I really want to fix it. But then on the other end of the spectrum, you have college students who maybe got locked into a lease and then had a lot of unexpected expenses come up and then they can afford rent, but can't afford groceries. Or, you know, being consistently a month behind on your electric bill because you have to wait till your next paycheck and your next paycheck and your next paycheck. Or, you know, like the story my friend Dakota shared in a very early episode of Feed That Nation talking about food insecurity, he didn't plan well, his own words, he did not plan well to have enough work and enough hours at the right pay to be able to afford both housing and groceries and everything else. And again, like I said, it's never anyone's fault that they're experiencing financial insecurity. And I think another confounding factor of this is that, again, I'm going to go back to this again and again, we are asking 18-year-olds to make these huge financial decisions, deciding where to live, how much you can afford to live, when you don't even know what job you're going to be working in a year. You don't know how much tuition is going to be in a year. You don't know if you're going to be in the same major. You don't know if you're going to be living with the same people. Like, yeah, it's tough. It's so tough. And with housing insecurity, there's also the fact that I think 
a lot of leases and rent agreements are really predatory and this can be really difficult for students who are in domestic violence situations where you're living with a partner who is abusive or manipulative and you want to leave but you don't have the financial ability to do so because of a lease that you're locked into. And again, this is the case for more college students than I wish was true. This is getting really dark, you guys. <laughs> but let's recap here. So we have college students have financial insecurity, post-graduation, student debt is enormous, and there's no guarantee that any job that a college student finds will have any sort of permanency, any sort of enjoyability, benefits, be full-time, and pay enough for someone to afford a decent standard of living. And then there's financial insecurity within college, tuition being so exorbitantly expensive, which either means loans or not being able to afford basic necessities because you're paying for tuition and saving for being able to pay for tuition and room and board, which goes into food insecurity and housing insecurity, which are two really symptoms of financial insecurity. And then going back to tying in healthcare and health insurance, which even with insurance is exorbitantly expensive, but a lot of college students don't have health insurance or they have the university's plan for health insurance. And are you guys with me so far? And let's wrap it up with, we're asking 18 year olds to make these financial decisions. And we're essentially forcing millions of 18 year olds through the social pressures of you must go to college in order to be a functioning human being, which is really dumb because trade workers are awesome. They make the world go round, literally. And we put a lot of shame onto people working jobs like being a hairstylist or a mechanic, even though we literally could not function without these people who do amazing work and who train very hard to be very good at that work. And then there's all of the other intersections that I mentioned earlier, the different identities that people hold that for stupid reasons, for reasons that are rooted in systemic and institutionalized discrimination and oppression, people who hold identities like black, like queer, like disabled, like female, like non-Christian, these identities often put college students who have them at an even bigger disadvantage. There's another, because I don't want to stop ranting about this. I have so much to say on this topic. There's another factor of all of this that I like to call the college retail industry. And this is the creation of products and marketing of products targeted specifically towards college students and the college student experience. And this comes in a bunch of different places, I guess you could say, but there is textbooks and other school-related stuff. Textbooks should not be $500. Textbooks should be free, in my opinion, or they should be like $5, but if you don't have $5, you should be able to just tell the teacher, hey, I don't have $5, and the teacher's like, okay, cool, here's where you can get the textbook for free. Like, you know, it should not be thousands of dollars to take a class and then another thousand dollars for the textbook. It just shouldn't. And then there's college dorm stuff, and the, th the fact that we've created it to be a norm that college students spend one to four years living in a shoebox with maybe a complete stranger 
is another absolutely ridiculous part of the college culture that I really dislike personally. But <laughs> thinking about shower caddies and ottomans and futons and Pinterest has created this entire ridiculous aesthetic for what it should look like to be a college student. And I, had, I did a whole video on this back in the summer about what you don't need for college and the college aesthetic and how stupid I think it is. But there's a lot of social pressure to be sure that the, your living environment is aesthetically pleasing because it's assumed to be a signal of the fact that you are living your best life and that you're successful. Success is not measured by Pinterest. Success is not measured by how much your dorm room looks like a Pinterest board. Also, I think it's really, really silly that there's a whole category of jobs in which a student has to pay in college, not only to take the classes, but pay to get the required mandatory experience needed to work a job. And I think I'm a great example for this because I'm in a dietetics program right now and I'm paying literally thousands of dollars to work somewhere else and provide them with my labor so that they will sign a sheet of paper saying Natalie is ready to become a dietitian. And there are so many programs that do this and a lot of them are healthcare related or, so, and, or civil service related like social work. And I guess social work can kind of be healthcare too. Either way, social workers are awesome. I love social workers, but a lot of jobs require you to have unpaid experience or to pay for experience, which is another really ridiculous thing because if you're a college student, you not only have to work an unpaid job or pay to work a job that gives you the experience to get a real adult job one day, air quotes, but you also have to work a job that pays you really poorly to be able to pay for the unpaid job that will let you have a paying job. Like, I'm, oh my gosh. I can't believe I just said that sentence and every single college student will understand exactly what I just said. So having talked about college and financial insecurity, I can't talk about a problem without talking about how do we fix it? How do we solve it? And obviously this is too big of a problem for just me, for just Feed That Nation, for just the nation, us. This is a problem that can't be solved overnight either, as much as we wish it could. But knowing that there are many college students struggling with financial insecurity in different ways, housing insecurity, food insecurity, lack of health insurance, like thinking about maybe they might have to drop out of college because they might lose their scholarship if they don't get all A's. Like, I think mental health is another big thing that I need to spend like an entire podcast on, but knowing that if it is not us, that it is likely a lot of the people we love and care about in college, just even that self-awareness of the problem is a step towards a solution. And as a practical step, we as individual college students can do a couple of different things just as shifts in mindset to help with this really huge issue. The first of which is we have to say to ourselves on repeat that financial insecurity is not the fault of college students. It is not the result of poor decision making. It is not the result of 
a lack of ability to lead a functioning life. College financial insecurity is a result of a system that was designed to fail us. Now we just have to say that again and again and again on repeat. Say it quietly to ourselves until we believe it. Say it loud to get the attention of everyone around us. In a non-COVID world, something I would say is a huge game changer in acknowledging financial security and its existence is to not have the presumption be that every single one of the people around you can afford $5. You know, not every person around you can afford to pay $5 for a cup of coffee, $5 for a t-shirt, $5 to go to a club or a bar. Not every person can afford $1. And in a non-COVID world, you know, if we were meeting in person with friends and having fun and going to clubs and parties and dancing and buying t-shirts, like, it's not a fair or a just assumption to assume that the people around you can always afford to do these things just because you might be able to. Another piece of this puzzle, because this podcast clearly isn't long enough, is that we as college students have to stand up for fair compensation. We cannot be agreeing to work for free. And not only that, when you are getting compensation, be open about that compensation. Say how much you are getting. Tell your classmates about it. My classmates are really wonderful and we talk about our wages for different jobs and our compensation and our stipends for graduate assistantships really openly to the benefit of all of us. Because the more we talk about wages, the more we can close the gender wage gap and the racial wage gap and the disability wage gap and the LGBTQ plus wage gap. The last thing that we as college students can do to start to chip away at this giant problem of college and financial insecurity is to speak up about it. And I used to say all the time to the students I used to work with in food insecurity work at St. Kate's, there's nothing wrong with being food insecure. There's nothing you did wrong and there's nothing to be ashamed of. And me saying that as someone who's never experienced it might not mean very much. There is so much shame surrounding financial insecurity that a lot of people don't reach out and don't ask for help, which allows the old white dude bigwigs to decide that everyone's fine and the programs on campus that help financially insecure students aren't really needed, are they? Because students aren't using them. No. Not the case. If there is a food shelf on your campus and you need it, use it. If there are programs where you can get free bus passes, get those bus passes. If there are programs on your campus for clothing exchanges or textbook exchanges, do it. If you are somebody experiencing financial insecurity and you feel like you can speak up about it and speak out about your experience, do it. even if it's to one person, even if it's to one classroom, because your words will inspire others to realize that they can be open about their struggles too. And that is how we start to draw attention to this problem. We get talking about it. I'm like, I'm sweating a little bit. This is like a really intense episode. I hope that you're feeling as fired up as I am. Oh my goodness. <laughs> 
Anyways, a couple of notes to wrap up this episode. I have been podcasting for two years. Two years. It's amazing. And I'm trying to decide how I want to celebrate with the nation, with you all. How do I want to celebrate this? Two years of podcasting is amazing. I've also been YouTubing for more or less a year. I think it's been a year and a couple of months now, but that in itself is really amazing because the whole reason I picked a podcast as my senior honors project is because I didn't want to do YouTube videos. I thought it would be hard and complicated. And now honestly, I love this. Podcasting has given me a crazy amount of confidence and YouTube videoing has given me a crazy amount of confidence. And I've gotten to have really amazing conversations with people and with you and with myself and I've got to do a lot of digging deep and that's awesome and I want to hear your ideas for how I should celebrate my two-year anniversary with Feed That Nation. Leave them in the comments below. Leave me your review and let me know. DM me on Instagram and let me know. Heck, send me like a carrier pigeon or something except for no because I'm not going to tell you my address so never mind. <laughs> I would also say that Christmas is coming up and the biggest gift that you could give me if you're feeling particularly generous is to subscribe to this episode, tell your friends about me, send them my episodes on YouTube, on Spotify, wherever you listen, get them listening to help us to grow our community. You could also, if you're looking for some fantastic, fabulous, vegan, allergy-friendly, gluten-free baking mixes to give as gifts or to gift yourself, check out my affiliate partner below, Coconut Whisk. I have talked about them a ton, so I won't spend a lot of time here because honestly, if you're still listening at this point, you must be a hardcore fan. But seriously, go show them some love. If you use my link below and use my coupon code, FeedThatNation, you get $3 off your order. I receive a small commission. It would mean the world to me. It would be the best Christmas gift you could possibly give me. Besides, of course, leaving me a thumbs up on this video, leaving me a comment, subscribing, doing all of that. I can't wait to see you Saturday with a vlog, and I can't wait to see you next week with another podcast episode. Until next time, my name is Natalie Nation, and you're listening to Feed That Nation. Have a great day, and I'll see you soon.